A trigger warning before we start. Suicide and suicide ideation is discussed in this podcast. Always remember suicide is preventable, support is available and we will post links for it in the description. We are recording this on the last day of the suicide prevention week. Numbers released by National Crime Records Bureau in India just recently as an example make for grim reading. In India suicide rate has gone up by 8.7% and 6.2% in 2020 and 2021 which has led Dr Somitra Patare to classify suicides as a public health emergency. Dr Patare is an eminent psychiatrist and co-author of Life Interrupted Understanding India's Suicide Crisis. What is all this doing on a cricket podcast? Well, cricketers are humans too. and part of the same society they are no less vulnerable to less than ideal mental health cricket is a lot of things to a lot of people to a lot of those watching and playing and administrating and officiating it is the greatest joy to many it is also an escape from their daily lives which are never perfect i can imagine it is not pleasant to listen to these real life issues on a cricket podcast i can ima- imagine you saying why are you bringing so much reality to my entertainment but this is an important conversation i'm siddharth monga and i'm talking mental health with my guest here cricket can also be a lonely world in it in which it is taboo to display any vulnerability my guest here though says letting yourself be vulnerable is part of healing part of recovery I'm not going to introduce him to you. I feel he should do that himself. <laughs> this is a this is a tough one. As in, I, I consider myself someone who's who's seen a lot, been through a lot uh, in life, but uh, I've, I've been able to survive all of it and uh, reach a place where I'm extremely grateful for my life. And I think I've discovered myself not at a young age, uh, but I think at an age where I was already an adult. and uh, i i think i went through a phase where i had to learn and understand who and what i was as a human being what are the things that i enjoyed what are the things that i liked and disliked and i think uh, i went through that discovery over a two year period and i earned my own self respect um, in 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 that journey and today uh, i've got uh, an ink on my on my arm that that uh, kind of commemorates that journey for me is always a reminder that uh, after hitting rock bottom i have worked myself and i've built myself up and so even if i hit rock bottom again there's always a there's always a start there's always a stone to step on because i know that i've i've gone through that journey and and for me that's where there's a sense of um, achievement for me uh, and uh, i that's how i resonate with myself i feel like uh, i found myself through my through my trials and uh, in that sense i'm a, i'm a self made man uh, let me tell the listeners the tattoo on his uh, right forearm says i am and he is not he's not told you his name is of course robin uttappa he's of course an india cricketer a world cup winner an ipl winner he was a prodigy but it's he didn't introduce himself as a cricketer why is that robin because i think more uh, i think beyond being a cricketer i think i recognize myself first as a human being in the sense that uh, i think because of the journeys i've been through in, in my life and and i think cricket's a big part of of who i am but 
again it's a it's a part of who i am it's not who i am and i think cricket has enhanced my life and given me uh, the pleasure and the privilege to have experienced a lot of exceptional highs a lot of uh, wonderful lows that have taught me many things in life um but i think life beyond cricket has also taught me so much has made me experience so much thanks for talking to us robbie and i have i have listened to what robbie has gone through on two different platforms before this and it is quite raw and i don't want to prod him too much on it i i let him you know summarize his journey by himself and not prod too much on that so uh, the gist of it is i began playing cricket at the age of 7 uh, and i began playing cricket because i knew as a as a child i loved the game and it was my passion uh, so much so that i remember my first conscious memory of myself is of me playing cricket um my first consciousness of of me and my experiential my experience of me as a as a as a human being was was of me playing cricket so i recognized cricket being my true passion and uh, um my mom and dad made me play tennis uh as a, as the first sport because my dad played a team sport uh, and he saw the downsides of, of a team sport and he wanted me to play an individual sport and as much as i like tennis which is today my second favorite sport and i think it's the toughest game a human being can play i 6 months into into playing tennis i told my mom and dad that i opened a newspaper <laughs> i remember i was 7 and a half years old perhaps and i opened a newspaper and i said to my mom that i don't want to play tennis anymore and i want to go to this i want to go to this cricket camp and my mom was a little flabbergasted and she like what how is a 7 year old you know communicating this to me and sure enough the two days later i saw my first pair of batting gloves in my life it was a cotton uh, cotton gloves which was yellow in color and the joy it brought me i will never forget uh, i remember looking up to my dad holding those gloves and i asked him is that for me is that for me um and then that's how it began and then uh, a week later they i was uh, put into a, the 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 british patel and mtrs cricket academy in bangalore and that's how the journey began what started as a passion became uh, a lot of different other things along along the way because of uh, the kind of uh, upbringing i had it's not like my parents didn't do a great job and didn't sacrifice a lot for me they did everything that they could for me uh, my mom sacrificed a lot my mom if it wasn't my mom uh, in my growing growing years i probably wouldn't have got to practice as much because my mom mom was the one who had to learn to drive to drop me to practice every day uh, or, or every weekend or through the summer camp right in a time when driving in bangalore was 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 a pleasurable experience <laughs> <laughs> uh, but mom and dad didn't have a great marriage and uh, it had a massive impact on uh, uh, our growing up years on me and uh, along the way uh, at some point during the journey um cricket became uh what what began as a passion uh, stop being a passion uh, stop being that or became more than just that at the age of 11 when i felt i could keep my family happy uh, and intact um by playing and performing well so the whole purpose of playing cricket changed Uh, at the age of 11 and then um you know since i played well um, i also <laughs> it's such a dynamic situation because i played cricket very differently as a youngster i wasn't uh, in the uh, along the norms of how cricket was played at that point in time i wasn't the the quintessential guy who you know batted for long time played along the ground 
I was the more aggressive types and and people hadn't seen too much of that. You know, uh, people hadn't seen, um, you know, Ajay uh, 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 Jadeja 1996 innings were a few and far in between in Indian cricket. We didn't see too much of that. Uh, we saw glimpses of that from say a nine Mongya occasionally at that point in time or a Sachin Tendulkar. But even his were, you know, it was, and so Paji became our, our, hmm. our standard. Uh, but for me, it became a little bit more aggressive than than how Paji played cricket. So for me, uh, like I started dominating the 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 underage scenes at, at so much so that a lot of parents when I was playing underage cricket thought I was overage uh, <laughs> because I played cricket in a certain fashion. Um, I was also reprimanded for the way I played because uh, I hit a lot of balls in the air. Um, I scored hundreds in quick time. Uh, I played a lot of unorthodox shots. A lot of times in through my growing years, I was chucked out of the nets because I played too aggressively. I was said to stop batting in the nets because I played too aggressively. But that I think my aggression also rooted from the fact that I experienced a lot at home and I didn't have a, an, an avenue of venting that or an avenue of expressing that. So that became an avenue for me on the ground. It had a massive positive impact on me and my performance on the field and was considered a prodigy growing up. But it also have, had a had its uh, implications on, on me as a person. So, I think over a period of time, I just lost myself in trying to make my family happy and I didn't know who I was till the age of, till I left home, till the age of 25. And um, it's when I left home and started living by myself is when I discovered who I am. I went through that journey of self-discovery and figured out the things that I even liked and didn't like and you know, what were my own principles in life? What are the principles I want to live by? Uh, and uh, took me, and then uh, I experienced clinical depression and being suicidal and a whole gambit of things. And then at the end of it, I think by the, by the time I was 20, 27 is when I became the person I wanted to become. Uh, so much so that between the ages of 21 and 25, a lot of my colleagues who played with me then uh, have said to me that, man, we couldn't speak to you. We were so scared of you. And today, you're like the easiest guy to have a conversation with. You know, you won't stop talking. You know, we, earlier we'd be scared to even talk to you because I was such a unpredictable kind of personality at that point in time because I was going through a lot of anguish and pain within myself and I didn't know. And because mental health uh, and things related to mental health were considered taboo at that point in time. There was so much stigma attached to it. No one threw light upon it because it was, it was so much in darkness. Uh, in our society and 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 that's why one of the reasons I talk about it so much is because I feel like the more light you shed on something you know the less scary it becomes uh, you know um, I think uh, like where, where there's darkness when you shed light then fear dissipates you know and and that's one of the reasons I kind of talk about it so much and I feel like once you experience mental health issues you feel like you're never too far away from it you feel like it can always affect you it can always get to you and uh, even today, at the place I am in my life, I feel like I'm over it, but I'm not necessarily over it. It can always come back, you know, and so you need to always try and stay on top of it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a journey. A lot of what we are is, uh, is our conditioning through our formative years. But uh, as you said, your father's father warned you of the pitfalls of a team sport. What did he play and what were the pitfalls of team sport that got to you in cricket? So dad played hockey. Dad is an international hockey umpire. And dad knew the politics that were involved in 
and the bureaucracy that was involved in team sport so much so that uh, dad was an exceptional right winger he's a winger right and left winger played i've seen him play hockey and he was he was an incredible hockey player he ran away from home at the age of 14 15 16 or something like that to to pursue hockey and not join the army his elder brother joined the army he did his his father wanted him to join the army but he wanted to play hockey so he ran away from home uh came to bangalore with 15 rupees in his pocket uh that his mom gave him and literally is a self made man in that sense played hockey and and made a name for himself and was in the junior india camp uh and was on a train to go and uh, attend a, a, a camp before the final team was selected and then there was a at the international uh, sorry in the indian hockey federation uh the ihf there was a, the change in um, uh, the regime the regime and he was he was in on the train when uh, once the regime was changed uh, different personnel was sent and then he was replaced and then he was so disgruntled about it that he stopped playing hockey altogether but he still hockey was his passion so he took up umpiring and became one of the first few uh, international hockey umpires from india the second from karnataka the first from his from kook which was a massive achievement for someone like him who who ran away from home at the age of 16 and 17 uh, with 15 bucks in his pocket so so he understood for him his pain is very real and personal so he didn't want me to go through that but for me i always knew i wanted to play a team sport for me the 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 fact that you can get 10 11 people to come together to achieve one goal fascinates me right to bring 15 like today when i look at it it's about bringing 20 people mentally and physically aligned to achieve a goal to achieve what you want as a unit and for me i think there's no greater joy in that because i think to to bring 15 different 20 different human beings from different walks of life to align themselves to one goal and say we we working towards that with all of our differences with all of all with all the different dynamics that are there i think that's the most fascinating thing fascinating thing about team sport for me to set aside every all your differences to say let's achieve this together and in in that pursuit the journey you experience the ups the downs the failures the triumphs the, the you know the, the tri- tribulations that you experience through that i think is is phenomenal and i think those those stories you can always tell for the rest of your life right and you carry those experiences with each other and yourself you know and you can share that uh, and for me i think that there's nothing more enriching than than human interaction in life um, and for me i feel that's why i love team sport uh what i experienced uh, in team sport the bureaucracy i experienced i have experienced quite a bit uh, so much so that i almost quit the game at the age of 15 because of what i experienced in uh, uh, the bureaucracy i experienced in karnataka uh, in the sense that as a 15 year old i was told after scoring a triple 100 in the finals of a, of a selection uh, zonal selection tournament for the karnataka under 16 state team i was called to the chief selectors house and he told me we're not picking you in the state team and when uh, um i asked why he said uh, uh in fact my dad was with me uh, when we had that conversation and my dad asked why sir he said uh, your son's too aggressive uh, the parents don't want me to pick him because he's too aggressive with all with the oppositions and his teammates and my dad immediately said oh, no sorry sir sorry sir sorry sir and i looked at my father and i was like why is my dad apologizing at that at that point as a 15 year old i was like why is he apologizing and not standing up for me as in i i haven't done anything wrong by being aggressive I've, i'm i'm performing well i'm i'm doing everything that needs to be done to be selected but today i'm 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 being stifled upon here 
and my father is is allowing that for that for that to happen my father in, in hindsight my father is probably trying to protect my future and and not wanting me to suffer the consequences of you know who i am or maybe i was a little ahead of time for that era but for me i felt very let down at the point in time but that is what i experienced and then the following year even not scoring runs i wasn't picked in the first for first 15 i scored about 5 600 runs and i wasn't picked in the first 15 of the the state side and uh, i was like that's it i'm done and i quit and i, and I left and i and i went to coog and i just finished 10 standard so i i went to coog and i was sitting down coog and said i was discussing with my family as to you know what i should do because uh, i was a pretty decent student at that start playing cricket uh, but once i started playing cricket uh, it had an impact on my education and barely made it through school and so i was like should i do commerce should i do science because you know that time there weren't a lot of options with education so we were in discussions when the karnataka cricket academy began uh, at that time and mr makran vaigankar was you know someone who began the trdo system in india and max sir uh, heard about me but didn't see about me and he seen my scores and like where is this kid and he's like oh no he stopped playing he's so he got in touch with my he got he called me in coog and he said come back so i said i knew who he was so i said no sir i'm not interested i'm done playing and then he kept calling and i think one of the times he got my dad on and he spoke to my dad and he said to him tell him to come uh, so my dad spoke to me that time he said i understand you're hurting and i understand you don't want to play and that's fine uh, i respect that but he said you know maybe for the talent that god's blessed you with why don't you go back and give it one shot and if it doesn't work it doesn't work it's fine but go back and give it a good shot so i went back i went through epilepsy as a kid between the age of 11 and 13 took steroids for 3 years it impacted my like it made me i was anyway a tall and strong kurgi mallu kid hmm. but uh, once epilepsy hit me i became a, a big kid like i became like it it affect it impacted my metabolism in a way where uh, like today my my limbs are uh, are a longer than my torso you know uh so i didn't grow like i should have been much taller but i like it stagnated my growth in that sense and affected my metabolism so for me i was a big kid so dad said you know go back train hard lose weight and all that and you know let's see what happens and i went back and i did that and uh, in under a year i was playing for the uh, under 17 india team i made my uh, first class debut and then by the time i was 17 i i played ranji trophy cricket for karnataka uh the youngest to play for karnataka i think and that's how the journey began and then if it's like honestly so at that point if it wasn't for max's help and and him intervening at that point in time i probably wouldn't have played cricket you know probably done something i don't even know if i'd be alive honestly you know with everything that i've been through but um that was how it began those are the things i've experienced and and i've experienced experienced that in, over a period of time in, at different times within my career in in uh in in cricket so that's something for for mac to do he he found he went to the lens to find your contact and it's it's i remember i i don't think it was those days when every kid had a mobile phone nobody had a phone yeah so he found your landline he called you he he got in touch with you brought him here. it's that's that it's a guardian angel looking over you yeah it was at that point in time max was someone i considered as my mentor uh and max was mentored me for the longest time he uh, he he instilled instilled systems in me that as a kid were very essential and which i still hold hold good to even now my preparations involve a lot of what max has taught me back then so for me they they worked like we call it the productivity zone okay uh, and i still i still exercise that today as a cricketer in my preparations for any matches and all of that any tournaments any matches i, I still exercise that and i and i 
and I'm truly grateful that in my journey of cricket, I've had a lot of people who played that role of a guardian angel at different points in my life. Max Sir was one. Uh, Jeshwan Sir, uh, Karthik Jeshwan, who was the former captain of Karnataka and was a coach, uh, has played a big role in my life. Uh, Sanat Kumar from Karnataka has played a big role in my life. Brijesh Patel uh, has played a big role in my life. Um, Praveen Amde. I can never forget Praveen Amde. Praveen Sir has played a massive, massive role in my life in the way... Through him, my rediscovery, my passion went to different lengths and, and became, uh, like today, I think has made me understand batting and, and, and the nuances of batting uh, that I understand today, I wouldn't have understood if I hadn't worked with, with Praveen sir. And um, although I didn't uh, achieve my goal of, of earning that test cap, the amount of it learned and understood about batting today uh, the confidence I have within myself to help anybody as far as batting technique is concerned without interfering with their technique but giving them cues and I've learned that from Praveen sir and I've, I'll eternally be grateful to him for it for how we came about to work together and how we began professional coaching in India uh, we were laughed on we were laughed at when, when we began that hmm. uh, and in a year's time we had everyone in India who realized oh man this is something that everybody needs and there is because it's because cricket is as much an individual sport as it is a team sport it's such a dynamic sport in that sense right so today everyone's got their own personal coaches it was a thing that was laughed upon at a point in time when it began i remember the only person who called me up one of the few people who called me up a lot of former greats were saying what are you doing man what is this professional coaching and all that hmm. right but one of the people who like was a non cricketer was shankar basu who was a uh, strength and conditioning coach for india uh, he, I was one of his first, I think, his test subjects in the NCA who made me do strength training at the age of 16. So, Basu and I go way back. He called me up and said, Robin, well done. Great stuff. I think this is brilliant. Hmm. One of the only people who called me up and said, congratulations, I think you made a great move. So, um, you, you spoke about the joy of being in a team and you must have like in 2007 at the age of 22, a team, unheralded team, nobody known, only MS. And then he takes the team, you win that World Cup, you must be like at a great high. What happened after that and Im- almost immediately after that to, to bring you down? It's quite, a, it's quite an emotional story and I generally say it without getting emotional. I don't know why I'm feeling a little emotional today. If you don't feel comfortable, I'm happy to... No, I don't mind sharing this. It's, 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 it's nothing untoward but <laughs> it's, it's strange that my emotions are getting the better of me today. So, in 2007... Uh, when when I after the World Cup we lost in in uh, West Indies, um, when we came back, uh, I didn't think because I made a comeback into the Indian team in, in early two thousand and seven. Um, I scored a thirty ball seventy against West Indies in my comeback in, um, and then I made it because of that high and great some good performances thereafter. I made it to the World Cup side uh, ahead of Gautam. I think Gigi. Uh, in the 2007 World Cup and when we lost and then I didn't think I'll play for India again honestly and then Gigi came back into the side and then I was uh, playing second fiddle to Gigi and Virubai so only when an opportunity came because Dada was still playing Paji was still playing Rahul Bhai was still playing all of them opened for India so to get a spot between them was hard so it was always a stop like I was always in and out and then I had to wait for my chances or find a place and then at that point for me you know playing for the country back then was a whole different animal than playing for the country today right so I was willing to play anywhere that they wanted me to play and not saying that you know I'm an opening batsman I'll only open the bat because uh, I knew if I stuck if I, if I stuck to that I probably would have never gotten an opportunity to play for India 
so i took any position that came uh, but i did in in domestic cricket i opened and you know scored all my runs there and then once i came back what is happening at the background is mom and dad were going through a really like i think for them it was normal but uh, i think because i was in the limelight uh, there was always a fear that that would spill over uh, in and it would it would kind of i don't know shed the wrong kind of light because society wasn't as open as it as it is today you know and we're talking about a good 15 years ago so it's it's it's, also, it's unimaginable what social media has done to what our lives is in our, our today right so uh, i was we were always trying to fire fight those situations at home so i don't know you're in bangladesh and um so mom and dad uh, they 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 fights in their and their and their in the relationship and their issues started spilling out into the public now what was only within the house uh, started going out and and one such incident happened where something was happening at home and it spilled out and then was on the road and all of that and so i had to uh, from bangladesh mind you was 21 years old 20 21 years old at this point in time and bang from bangladesh i told mom we had another house so i told mom and my sister to go and live in that house and dad was living separately so kind of separated them and that was constantly going on and then during that time we went to the world cup and we went to england and then i went to zimbabwe i remember that that year we went i went to kenya zimbabwe for india a tours i performed really well there because i wasn't getting opportunities in the indian team india a every tour i went i performed really well then i got an opportunity in england that's sixth odi uh, i got a 47 not out there i got one more game there in against scotland at the beginning of the tour i got a 50 there gg and i opened i got a 50 there so and then we went to the world cup and then we won that world cup and then for me i felt like and i contributed to the team success in that world cup so i felt like okay you know it's kicking on right now I, I, it's going on i was on a high at that point in time and then at 21 when you're dealing with something like this at home and you're dealing with success on the other end so it's two different ends of the spectrum and then you suddenly you don't as a 21 year old you don't know which way to go right you don't know you want to stay away from this and you you want to i didn't have the focus and the guidance at that point in time which i felt i so desperately needed at that point in time to someone to sit me down i didn't have the presence of mind to reach out to say someone like max sir at that point in time or to praveen sir or and and, and praveen sir is very much a part of my life uh, in as much as he was uh, he was in air india and he was my first junior india selector mm-hmm. so so it wasn't like praveen sir was never in my life he was always a part of my life he was the chief selector who picked me up in my first tour to, to the to to sri lanka in the under 17 india yeah, under 17 asia cup hmm. uh, so it is raidu me suresh raina piyush chawla rp singh all of us like he was our first chief selector right so he recognized the talent that is there so i but i still never reached out to someone like him and i just won a world cup so i was also flying on a high you, you know you were you was a little arrogant and you were a little like you know you you achieved it you're a big thing right now and that semblance of balance was not there and on the other end of the spectrum i had this going on at home constantly trying to fire fight those situations and then throw in the cb series victory uh, yeah. at the beginning of 2008 um, and you suddenly felt like man things are going great you know then the ipl comes around and growing up the issues always at home rooted from sometimes a lack of money and suddenly we saw money that indian cricket or cricketers would see sometimes over a period of their entire careers right and suddenly you saw it in in one shot and then you suddenly felt like hey we've got this also now why 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 is it still going on and then you realize it's not about money in fact money accentuates the problem uh it, it, at least in our situation it did and then 
uh, I went to the Asia Cup in 2008. Uh, Gary uh, had just uh, had just joined the team, uh, and then after the first uh, Asia, uh, first IPL, uh, Suresh had performed, Yusuf had performed, I was I was performing, and suddenly I fell out of favor because I was a single skilled player and not like someone like hmm. Yusuf uh, Suresh who could bowl in matches. Even though I tried to develop that skill at that point in time, I had the versatility to start bowling and all that at that point in time. But MS never tried me in a game. Because maybe he didn't have the confidence to yeah. feel like he could try me in a game. And then so I, I fell out of favour at the end of the Asia Cup in in 2008, in which Mendes got six in the last. Yes. Uh, and for me, I had a little lean Asia Cup as well. Uh, because everyone were performing and... Uh, I was again played in different positions but I didn't perform uh, and at that point in time I was working really hard but I don't know what it was I don't know if it is things at home or whatever but it uh, I didn't perform and then I fell out of favor and I realized I had to make another comeback okay that dawned upon me after the after the, uh, when the team was picked for the next tour it dawned upon me that oh I have to make another comeback and making a comeback in the Indian team was was hard work at that point in time and suddenly you threw in the IPL performers into, into contention and it becomes even more and then I had this going on back home. So I said, okay, I have, and this is in July that I got dropped. November is when Ranji Trophy started. Yeah. So the way to make a comeback was, and for me, I experienced making a comeback after my first three matches for India. Uh, I, I scored I scored a lot of runs in the Challenger Series and all that and got picked up as a prodigy. Got an opportunity, uh, set a record on my debut game. Two games later, you know, I was dropped and I had to score thousand runs again to come back into the Indian team. So then I knew I had to go through that whole, I had to jump through a lot of those hoops to come back. So I said, okay, I have to do that. But then I took stock of my situation and said, okay, I have this, this, this crap going on back home. So how do I address this? So I said, okay, I'll get into this and try and help my mom and dad uh, in their marriage. Uh, and because, because finances were a big issue, I said, we'll bring that also into play and figure out how we can manage. So I jumped into that and which I thought would be, which would be a three, four month period. Uh, and then I said I'll start focusing on my comeback by no, uh, from November hmm. but what I thought would be a 3 or 4 month affair became 3 or 4 years and I didn't even literally I didn't even see how that 3-4 years went hmm. uh, by the time 2009 hit uh, I was traded from Mumbai Indians to RCB one month before the IPL began and I didn't want to be traded I wanted to stay at Mumbai Indians because I felt so loyal to the team and cricket back then was loyalty it wasn't like professionalism wasn't a thing in Indian cricket at that point in time. Hmm. Professionalism was had a very different meaning in, in, in India or in cricket up until that point. Hmm. Right? Um, you saw professionalism in, in, in soccer or football for that matter. Right? But we didn't see that level of professionalism or that kind of professionalism uh, in, in cricket. And that dynamic was very new to us, very foreign to us. So for me, that hit me because I was going through a lot anyway at home. That hit me even harder. In fact, I started began going through clinical depression in 2009 and I didn't even know. During the 2009 IPL, I was suicidal. We were, we were staying in the Santin Sun. Uh, Santin Sun, <coughs> at those times, you could open up the side windows and, and you know, and there were no railings, nothing. You can just put your legs out and sit. And I would, and I had a fear of heights, but at that point, I was sitting out with my legs dangling outside. I was like, I could end it all by just jumping, you know, and all the pain, everything would just disappear. And something snapped me out of it and I said, this is not right. And for whatever it was worth, I was kind of cling on to life. So I called my family and I called my mom and dad and my family over, my sister. And they came to South Africa because I told them I'm not feeling okay, I'm, I'm not feeling fine. And when they came, they saw me and they, they realized that I wasn't great. So they stayed with me and I had a very lean IPL because 
I felt so out of place in RCB. My loyalties lied with Mumbai Indians. Honestly, the only game I performed in that IPL was the game against <laughs> Mumbai Indians. Hmm. I scored a 65 not out or something against Mumbai Indians in a winning cause for RCB. I came back from the IPL and then that's when I started seeking professional help. My mom <clears throat> very quietly put me on to a counsellor. I don't even think my dad knew. Uh, put me on to a counsellor, started, went to the counsellor and then I started getting better slowly. Uh, so much so that I started taking control of my own life to the much to the disappointment of my parents because suddenly my mom who started taking me to the counsellor started saying oh she's brainwashing you hmm. you know and then there was a big of, bit of tug of war there I wanted to leave home they didn't want me to leave home uh, <clears throat> then I left home temporarily for about 11 months that's when I had that 2010 IPL season with RCB where I sma- uh, hit the most number of sixes because I really came into my own uh, unfortunately for me, I tore my shoulder and I had a finger dislocation that became worse and then I had to have reconstructive surgery on my finger and my shoulder but I was living on my own, no one could take, like I had to depend on someone so they, they said no, we'll come and take care of you and their marriage was still as dysfunctional and all of that and we were working through that whole dynamic and time just went by and I was just going through this back and forth and this whole battle of trying to figure out who my life, how my life was and uh, trying to play cricket and and suddenly by the time 2011 came around I was in the pits of it all in, when my first year with I honestly don't remember the 2011 IPL very much because it was, it was much of a blur to me today because of everything that I was going through I was clutching on to dear life through I became extremely religious hyper religious honestly because that helped me stay alive uh, in a sense uh, I was grasping on things uh, that would just sustain me for, for for certain periods to stay alive. One thing that a lot of people will relate to is uh, um, you are on a cricket tour, you are really enjoying it, but at the back of the mind you know there is something going on at home and you, you, you might, al- did you almost feel like, hey, this is actually not real, this is, I'm living in a fantasy world and this will soon end and I'll have to go back to my reality which is of that mm-hmm. which is of that ba- bad marriage at home which and also did you did you feel as in your parents had still helped you right in yeah, a, yeah, in a lot of things yeah, in, yeah. in getting you to cricket of in, yeah, yeah. In, I'll never take that away from them as in despite them having the kind of marriage that they had they did everything in their strength and uh, they could do to to add value to my cricket you know so they they tried their best I'll never I'll, I as in today I'm Today, I look, I, I think of them with a lot of gratitude. I, I, I feel a lot of gratitude towards my mom and dad. My mom has gone to the extent of pawning jewelry when things were hard at home to buy me bats and all of that. So, those are things I'll never forget. And I'll be always extremely grateful for all of that. And I've always tried to repose that to them. I uh, don't know if they, they appreciate it or not, but I've always tried to repose it to them. But they've done everything that they could do to help. And on, on, on top of that, when you were on the brink in, in Santan Sun, it was them you called. They came back and helped you. So you you feel like you owe them, but what is the extent that you can go to? And it's it's for a 21, 22 year old. It's impossible to know how much you owe and where do you stop, and what is sensible, how much you can do for somebody else, and the guilt that comes with not being able to do enough. How did you deal with that? Is it something that your therapist saw you through, or is it something that came to you yourself? My therapist definitely helped me through it. She, and I wouldn't call her my therapist. I, 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 like, I feel like it's too, 
too technical a term i i call her my counselor or she generally genuinely a counselor for me you know where mm. she 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 helped me with getting i think what what i think good counselors do is they get you out of your own way to see and find solutions for yourself mm. uh, i don't think they give you solutions they get you out of your own way they remove your own blocks out of your own out of your own path to say hey yeah this is the path for me to walk through i want to walk through this path they empower you and she empowered me she definitely empowered me and uh, i'm truly grateful for her as well and grateful for all the experiences in my life because i think they made me who i am today mm-hmm. so uh, when it when it comes to you know the kind of things i uh, okay i'm i'm a little confused where to begin honestly um, i mean no no child no son or daughter should be responsible to you know keep the marriage happy absolutely not yeah so for me i feel like uh, you know i became literally up the kids that thing became a crutch to them uh, and suddenly were made made to feel responsible and i think i don't know if it's intentional or not i wouldn't blame them for that sense and and also uh, even for a couple to go for counseling at that point in time was looked at as mm. you know so much stigma attached to it and so shame attached to it and looked down upon by society in, in a sense right is never looked on looked looked at or perceived as you know you should do this it'll, it's helpful for you as in it it'll work is always the harshest things like don't tell anyone you're doing this you know mm. it was that kind of a thing so i i don't think they felt comfortable seeking help as well in that sense so you know they tried to make do with what was given to them you know they played with the you know whatever tools they had at the point in time or what they had at their disposal or what they felt they had at their disposal and then you they suddenly uh, for, for lack of a better term made us feel responsible in the sense that you know we were always said okay you can save our family or you know you can you, you do this and we'll be fine and hmm. uh, family and family and family so i think at 25 i realized i had to leave home because i realized it was toxic for me uh, when i i remember when i decided to leave home i'd worked on myself for a period of 6 7 months and i got into a great place and i knew that if i continue to stay in my mom and dad's house uh, i would lose all the the momentum i'd created for myself and probably go back and go back worse and you had to get out of there so i i got out of there and i i took a decision it was a hard decision but i i mean, I, i think it's those hard decisions that define you and in your character in the long in the long run in life uh, i cut off from them for a couple of years uh, for 3 years after that i actually cut off from my mom dad and sister uh, in fact i cut off from a lot of people a lot of friends a lot of and and not because i didn't want to be in touch with them i just wanted to uh, figure out who i am as a person and figure myself out which i felt i didn't do because of i wasn't able to do as a kid because of the dynamic at home uh so i cut off from them i didn't speak to my mom dad and sister um and uh, i went and f- figured myself out in that sense uh i changed my number multiple times in a period of 3 months uh, one of the jokes that people always kept making fun of me was like what's your number man like why do you keep changing your numbers like over the next 6 months every time people met me like what's your number like we're trying to get in touch with you a lot of a lot of reporters were trying to get in touch with me a lot of Uh, you know people would, uh, would try and get in touch with me like what's your number i think even when we met yes. the number that you had of mine was from 2012 or 11 yes right and i saw the number like man that's such a old number <laughs> and, and i'm go. sorry i never tried to make contact with oh, you no, no. and because we imagine cricketers are are like are like really strong people and uh, let's not disturb them and let's not 
be and <laughs> yeah no i think i think it's a it's a dynamic situation where yeah people are strong but it's uh, but i also think there's a there's a lot of strength in vulnerability i'm, I'm someone who believes in that right mm. so it's very easy to say you know i'm not going through anything and try and deal with it you know that's that's one way of dealing with it maybe you can live in denial for a certain period of time but i don't think it's healthy to live in denial after a certain period of time you have to address things you have to address the elephant in the room and say and then suddenly when you you say you start beginning to address the elephant in the room you realize it's just a freaking mouse it'll you have to and it'll go away it'll run away the minute you confront it Hmm. but we we are not we we sometimes live in denial to the extent of saying you know i don't want to look at it i don't want to look at it but just shed more light on it the more light you shed on darkness hmm. light will prevail hmm. right hmm. when the situation came out in 2014 during the ipl that my mom had put a case on my dad and became national news and all of that i wasn't in touch with him i got to know through the papers uh, i was in delhi when i got to know and sheetal and i were dating at that point in time and I was surprised and uh, and I said I don't know anything about sometimes some some of the scribes asked me um you know what is this and I said I don't know I'm I'm I'm, I'm finding out in the papers as as you are uh and it was after that IPL that I think the 2014 or 15 IPL that I got in touch with them and said you know because I I had completed my own journey and gotten to a strong point you know with myself so I knew that not, not, I nothing would touch me from the outside Yeah. isn't that like one of the biggest fears like maybe i don't know maybe were you feeling that if people get to know about what's going on at home they will not they will not think me worthy of being a friend a relationship yeah for sure and then suddenly it comes out and you see sheetal has not reacted the way that you feared <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but sheets knew everything about me anyway she played a big part in in uh, in a sense saving my life and uh you know helping me out through a lot of those things and um she she's been instrumental in in she's been a light in my life honestly and i'm always grateful for her and she's a she's an she's an amazing partner and amazing wife amazing mother incredible mother and an inspiration of a human being with the way she just approaches her own life you know and, and i think everyone should approach life with that much vigor and vitality and and enjoy for oneself you know i think what i think one of the things i learned most about life from her is about self love and appreciation and i don't think that i've met another person who loves himself or herself as much as she does uh, and and today my my children take after that my son takes after that and to see that to see that being exercised in in life is is incredible and uh, and those are the things that make me feel like wow as in i'm i'm so blessed um, it's one of the most courageous things to do yeah. to to love oneself yeah yeah like totally and absolutely yeah. to love oneself and if once you get that courage i guess you yeah. get through a lot of things and yeah. it just bring you back to cricket now yeah. the dichotomies of cricket where you are playing a team sport but you can only play that team sport when you have done well for yourself that balance doesn't make you feel that cricket sort of can is is like vulnerable to having mental health issues cricketers are more vulnerable than any any other sport and also the nature of batting i mean this is a huge uncertainty in the batting the pitch the ball if it lands 2 degrees to the side of the seam it does something else some day you edge the ball it's not caught and you score a 100 some day your first edge goes to hand and you're not selected all those things just cricket leave you more vulnerable and that's the thing about cricket right i think the, the thing about especially batters for that matter because you get one chance hmm. you get out once you like you make an mistake once you're done Yeah, for a bowler in a T20 game, you have twenty-four chances, 
and if you bowl a wide you have 25 if you bowl a no ball you have 26 hmm. right but for a batter you know it's it's just a one chance you you make a mistake and you're done for the day so it it is mentally challenging in that sense even in tennis for that matter as even though it's an individual sport you can afford to make mistakes and still still win games here you you make a mistake you're done for the day even if you win a game you're living with a dichotomy of you're happy you won the game you're sad you didn't perform to the and contribute to the victory hmm. right it can be uh, harrowing to be honest uh, as a batter it can it can be it can be harrowing and, and you have to find a way to kind of deal with it and i think when you play in a country like india uh, the the dichotomies and the the complexities kind of double and triple itself because the volume of of quality cricketers around the country uh is uh, quite exceptional uh and you know the competition is there at hand the systems that are there in place the bureaucracy that that can back in take place you know so a lot of those things can be on you and can be you have to be one you have to be mentally strong and i think one of the things you realize in cricket when you play cricket in india is that you truly experience luck acha time bura time uh like they say uska naseeb chal raha hai ya in in kannada or in kannada they say uh, his 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 kundali's good time is going on right like you can genuinely genuinely kind of experience those things when you play cricket in india cuz talent wise everyone's there and there about right. right and it's just about the guys who suddenly step out stand out are the guys who's acha time chal raha hoga and anybody who selected any at any given point of time can perform yeah no one's indisposable everyone's disposable hmm. like uh, uh, today we've had a conversation where the people have been courageous enough to say will will virat fit the t20 side anymore yeah you know till that 100 came along yeah. right and and, and and those are legitimate questions because you have the kind of talent and ability waiting in the wings hmm. who are youngsters hmm. right so um, suddenly it becomes a legitimate question when someone's 34 35 years old suddenly questions are being asked uh, so when you say cricket is where you actually realize something called luck there are two things about it a luck is not the opposite of skill or preparation or talent not right and the other is do you get into habits to try to control that luck compulsive habits which you know have no bearing on the result but you still try to do that because hey when i did this i scored 100 mm. yeah you do uh, and and we don't call them as superstition we call them as routines Mm. Yeah, and i think some of those routines become a part of our lives right uh, for me my productivity zone that i exercise uh, you know that i learned at the age of 15 16 is something that is still a part of my life mm. i still exercise that you know because it makes me feel good and you want to give you like you can't guarantee success but you can give yourself the best chance to be successful so we all of these factors are a small percent one percenters that make you feel good that can hopefully give you give you like can hopefully make you perform or give you the best chance to perform well mm. so you do everything that you can as a as an athlete to make yourself feel good mm. right and and that's all you can do uh, as far as preparation is concerned you prepare to the best of your ability and you go out there and try and stay in the present and exercise your your senses and and your vision and and your reactions and you and making sure that everything comes out right you find yourself in a zone you know to to go and play really well do you sometimes feel it's a waste of energy to do so many things which have no direct bearing on the result? not necessarily uh, not necessarily because it's not about what's being done it's about what it makes you feel at the end okay right uh, sometimes you don't need to have a bath but you still have a bath hmm right 
so the bath doesn't feel like a waste of time because at the end of the bath you you feel fresh for that right right mm. um so in that sense for for instance sometimes you don't need a bath before going to sleep but sometimes if you just take a nice hot shower you sleep better mm. right so it could like you know it's it's that it's that kind of a thing yeah. so sometimes you you do it because it adds to to what you feel mm. and just uh, now the the part is selection and i noticed one thing that you when 2000 around 2007 2008 when suresh raina came up when yusuf pathan came up and they went to the world cup later you you now know that they came up because they were multi skill players did you know it then or is this a hindsight and uh, where you appreciate the decision now of the selectors at the end of the day they are, they are trying to make the team win what did you feel then and would you want your selectors at every level to have those conversations to you know make, give the player every chance to stay in a mentally good space yeah i think it's the uh, for me I, I the selectors didn't tell me back then but i think it was my own retrospective kind of side hindsight yes but you wasted years trying to yeah. in living in that space yeah. why am i not pick yeah and i think it should be especially selectors because i think they cricketers themselves right and i think as a cricketer you experience a lot of these um you know trials and tribulations yourself and you you go through those mental battles yourself so i think i don't hold anything against any selectors that have been my selectors at, 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 as as far as i played cricket right i am not once right uh, maybe if you could not have got selectors but not even selectors <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah as in i don't hold anything against them because i i feel like they had to do the best job for their for the what they felt for the country right because they're also they're also performing a duty for the country so so uh, nothing against them but for me i feel if they could have had a conversation with me at that point and and said you know what this is why you've been dropped you not performed here but also the guys who are in the side are pro- providing different skills right uh, in a sense i was also multi skilled in the sense in as much as i could keep as well as bat right uh, but at that point i was considered a part time keeper and because as a part time keeper i didn't really bowl very much but i began bowling and then it didn't work out at that point in time so i stopped bowling and i started focusing on keeping and if you look at my best years in the ipl has been when i've kept hmm. i've kept since 9 9 to 18 those 10 years i kept in the ipl and it's been the best years of my of my cricketing career and and for me i knew how much value i added as a keeper because i i knew the angles i understood i was able to contribute to the captain in a, in a meaningful manner i was able to contribute to the team with my batting because of my keeping in a much more meaningful manner mm-hmm. uh, but unfortunately teams haven't utilized that for me after 2018 now uh, with csk it's not possible because ns is keeping but in rr that wasn't possible i think joss was keeping then dk when he came into the so kkr dk was keeping so um it didn't happen after 18 but i, I miss keeping terribly i i genuinely miss i i love keeping i absolutely adore keeping and i miss it terribly i wish i can do it all the time i, I can't uh, i wish i moving going forward in cricket i i hope i can do it still hmm. uh, it's something i completely enjoy it's a part of my game that i that i miss a lot hmm. um and i think today that you have to be multi skilled you can't just be an exceptional fielder and a and a batter or a bowler you have to have that second skill that is as strong as your primary skill hmm. the secondary skill has to be almost on par with your primary skill and i think in time i think when you see the game evolving so fast i feel in 5 7 years you will find multi skilled players in the sense that i feel you'll see starting ambidextrous players 
uh, not just bowling. I think in batting as well. I think you'll start finding batters who can bat both right. They already do. I mean, during yeah. the during the delivery, they change yeah. the stance. So I reckon they'll change depending on who's bowling. If a left-arm spinner's bowling, they'll bat left-handed. Right-hand off spinner's bowling, they'll bat right-handed. Depending on which way the ball's uh, guy predominantly swings the ball, they'll bat right or left-handed. I think that'll that'll be the future of cricket mm-hmm. at some point in time. So I was when I asked you about selectors, I'm I'm just looking at what cricket can do to make things better so that. It in is. India, it's very hard. Yeah, we've I've had this conversation multiple times. In, in in a country like India, because of the volume of cricketers, you have to set systems in place, which itself will take five, seven, ten years for it to work to a place where it's actually having an impact on a lot of cricketers. You have to work from the grassroots levels. Mm-hmm. So you have to go down to the NCA, create a system there, and then take that system down to this uh, the the zonal academies, mm-hmm. right? And actually exercise those systems for four or five years before you start seeing them have an impact on junior cricketers you can't do for you can't do anything for you can set up a system now for cricketers where it's ad hoc where people can kind of just go and come go and come but if you want to do it from a from a very like systemic point of view you have to go down to the grassroots mm-hmm. and that's a 10 year investment is the bcci willing to do that do we do they have the space they have the the infrastructure and the, the finances to do that are they willing to do that i don't know should they do that i definitely think so i think a lot of cricketers go like especially people who finish playing cricket because you have to understand to play cricket in india you have to make a lot of sacrifices including your education hmm. today 90% of our cricketers who are playing for the country today haven't completed their education beyond 12th standard yeah some not even beyond 10th standard you have to give it up and say my sole focus is cricket hmm. right so when they finish playing cricket it's a massive void to fill hmm. if you haven't completed your education because you what do you look back on you either have to make yourself up as a cricketer there's a lot of people get blown into obscurity right mm. after that and and that can take a massive toll on you mm. so i won't be surprised especially with the onset of the ipl as as enticing as the ipl can be while you're playing it once you're out of it it can leave you high and dry people have to have the larger kind of world view and say okay what do we do because i feel today in all honesty i wish cricketers were treated with a little in, in india not reverence but with a little bit more not even respect with a little sensitivity. bit sensitivity honestly I, i feel there was a little bit more sensitivity with the way they they treated cricketers and and because we're also as in it's the cricketers who make the game right and it's mm. the fans who make the game but it's the cricketers who bring that value for the fans to make it the game mm. right and i wish the administrators would look at that angle as well i was i was coming to the second point where the administrators are also especially when it comes to the systems they're also guided by the feedback they get from cricketers and the feedback and even i used to describe cricket in the terms of you know mental strength this guy is good when there's pressure this guy is good when the stakes are high over the years watching how cricketers prepare watching how much role luck plays in those situations i have realized it's a it's a very chauvinistic way of describing cricket mental strength every cricketer i listen to on commentary from a cricketer they speak about mental strength separates the player from what is mental strength i mean i feel that if we could mental strength according to what i have experienced and what i have spoken to cricketers is how good are you technically how good are you tactically what is your physical fitness and luck to if you break it down it's easier for the cricketers yeah would you i mean isn't that something that the cricketers owe to describe the cricket so much in a so much better way so that the cricketer who comes through and when he fails in that clutch situation once does not feel does not take that burden on his mind and 
just keep reliving that situation and keep thinking hey i'm mentally weak and which again becomes an issue where your selection once you're branded mentally weak your selections become difficult it's a funny one right as in today if you look at if you look at virat kohli in the last 3 years yes he felt like he was not doing anything wrong he was getting 60s but he wasn't converting them into 100s uh, from a from a technical point of view you didn't see much wrong it was very little wrong i think what we did see is a lack of luck Yes, right. I think what we, as in, if anyone who's watched him keenly saw a period where he wasn't as lucky as he's been before that. Mm. Uh, even this hundred, for that matter, at twenty six, he got he got dropped. Correct, right? Yeah, and that was luck. And it was a simple catch that yes. went into the light, and then he couldn't see it, and he just put one hand up and went through his hand for six. Yeah, right. And and that too to an off spinner. Yes, right. So that means, Lady Luck was shining on him on on that particular day, and he was able to convert that. With which, his own craft, with his own skills, yes, right? Which, not which standing, doesn't yeah. make him a bad cricketer. No, 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 no. Yeah, everyone's a good cricketer. It's also, it's, it's also very real how, how important these things play. Like for example, in twenty fourteen when he scored runs in England, yes. the edges were going. Unfortunately for his sake, the edges going straight into the hands. For instance, in twenty eighteen when he got runs, there were a few edges that went to the hand, weren't weren't pocketed, fell short, you know, uh, and didn't go the first twenty times. Or the first ten times, and then he ended up scoring tons of runs. And he, and he sco- once he gets in, he's like, once he gets in, so he's an unbelievable player. And that's why they say, don't give, don't give an opportunity to 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 a great player because they know how to maximize them. Because mm. it's that feeling. Sometimes when you feel like you have luck going your way, you know, like man, today's my day. I'm going to maximize it. Hmm. I remember Roland Barrington. Um, you know, was playing a semi-final. I think uh, it was his. Uh, was I don't know semi-final or a Ranji Trophy game where he dropped uh, VVS Lakshman on 33 at mid-on, like a dolly. He dropped him at mid-on. Lachhi uh, Bai went on to score 333 hmm. in that game. <laughs> you know, Barry was distraught. Uh, but that's that's what happens when you when you give an opportunity to a high-quality player. But you also you you also have to have the skill to recognize that you know, hey, I've got this opportunity. Uh, I'm going to maximize it. Mm. you know and you know that's a sign that okay it's my day i'm going to maximize it mm. but you have to have the skills as well so you have to understand your game to the extent of knowing what brings you success and what not more than what brings you success what gives you the most probability to be to be successful mm. on a consistent basis and i think one of the things that someone like virat kohli has done exceptionally well has done tick the all the boring boxes consistently over a period of time Hmm. Right, the hundreds he's got in between, say the between the twentieth and the seventieth hundred, he's done a lot of those boring things consistently well. Because after a point, it, like even for the viewer, it got yar ye saw marne wala hai nahi do. You know, for the viewer, it's like you you know he's going to get a hundred, right? Hmm. For him to be able to do that, he's done the boring things. The boring things are the toughest things to do over a period of time. It's the guys who do the boring things over and over and over again, irrespective of how they're feeling, are are the ones who call the most mentally strong. <laughs> If you that, break it down that way, yeah, and it's not like a mystical, mysterious. No, it's not term. mystical. It's not. It's not mystical at all. It's yeah. The ma- there's no secret sauce to this. The secret sauce is to actually do the boring, tick the same boxes over and over and over and over and over and over again. Consistency is the key, and consistency of repeating your processes. It's not the result. It's the processes that bring the result. Mm. So consistently ticking the boxes that bring you the results. Mm. You know. So if if our if I if the followers of the game if the fans of the game know this, they react less poorly than they did to let's say Ashdeep Singh dropping that catch. Yeah. 
so that that's how it can help and i'm sure it will have a big impact no matter what you say that we can block ourselves from how people are it always has an impact on you 100% and and today when you when you look at you know people who who commented negatively on our say on our ashdeep singh you understand that the lack of awareness is so immense hmm. that they will say anything to just vent whatever they're feeling at that point in time hmm. you know if ashdeep was standing in front of them they probably wouldn't say anything and be like yaar koi baat nahi as in it happens but you were too relaxed during that catch they might say that but they'll say they they'll still say it's okay you know because when you meet them face to face it's not like i don't think these are bad people i just think they are unaware people <laughs> ill informed people yeah you know uh, so that's something we as media also have a duty to yeah to do. shed light upon yeah and i think today when i when i broadcast i feel like it becomes my responsibility as a broadcaster to shed light upon what would have been the cricketer's mindset or perspective in that action hmm. or or in that play hmm. uh, you know uh, more than anything else because hmm. i feel like it's easy to broadcast okay calling a game saying okay this is what happened oh this is how he did it but this is what would have happened internally to result in this hmm. you know he would have seen that catch and like i've taken this in my sleep man hmm. and then he did that but he didn't realize that internally it's a it's a india pakistan game it's the uh, wicket at that point in time puts more pressure on pakistan it makes his life as you know easier when he is bowling in the death if he had just gone through that you know it, it would have probably he would have probably been a little bit more alert when he took the catch and that's all it takes honestly to make a mistake and to take to, to not make a mistake just just going back to virat kohli i mean it's great respect to him that he for 3 years he didn't feel the need the unnecessary need to change his game because the results were not coming and it comes i think mind you he did he he did he did try to make changes you saw that we've seen virat's bat coming from third slip and now today we see it coming from uh, you know almost from wicket keeper right of the wicket keeper first slip mm. types but do you, if you see if you notice during the course of his innings against uh, afghanistan it began at first slip it ended at third slip <laughs> so you saw the flare coming back mm. so it's not like it doesn't affect people it affects people mm. it's about how you respond to it do you react in a situation like that or do you take stock and respond and i think and i think that takes a lot of mental strength and you have to give credit to virat there mm. he's show, he's exercised a lot of mental strength to to not be hyper reactive in a situation where where people have been concerned critical about his game hmm. and also it also comes from he has earned it i'm not saying he's not earned it but it also comes from the security that he knows that he will be playing i think today virat is possibly the most secure player in that indian team hmm. uh, i think he's the most immune player in that indian team hmm. uh, to to what can affect that team in a sense him rohit bumrah kl maybe to an to a certain extent are the most immune players hmm. uh and and these guys have earned it and they put their performances with what they've achieved and their skills and mm. and you know and and today they are they are the ones taking indian cricket forward and and we'll hand it over to the next generation so mm. that's that's where it it is like important to identify who are not secure and to you know be vigilant of them and you need do you need somebody as a team psychologist which is which is what i like about rohit's captaincy right as in for mm. me uh, what stands out about rohit's captaincy is you can see actively players mentioning how secure they feel in the group hmm. right and you appreciate that uh, i'm not sure about like for me i didn't hear that from the uh, the, the senior pros um, before rohit's captaincy hmm. 
you know um i i've heard it a lot in roads captaincy mm-hmm. uh, including virat saying that you know the team environment's great the team mm-hmm. environment's great you didn't necessarily hear that so when 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 like, it goes captain even if they are not playing they know why they are not playing and when is, they might play and i think rahul, rahul bhai understands that which is great right mm-hmm. there's a there's a large sense of, for the most part okay you can't get everything right mm-hmm. there's always going to be someone who's going to be unhappy mm-hmm. but if for the most part you can communicate and 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 have conversations and make peace there uh, even if people are disappointed with with your line of thinking and don't agree with you mm-hmm. uh, but if you can communicate you've done your bit mm-hmm. right i'm sure someone like ridiman saha isn't happy about his situation and then when you look at it strictly from ridhi's point Correct. of view it's it's grossly unfair mm-hmm. right because age shouldn't be a a factor mm. but again everyone's got their own style every leader's got their own style so uh, uh, rahul dravid being uh, the head of the uh, the coaching staff is the, is a leader so he wants to lead the team in a certain way so it's his prerogative how he leads it he's got the opportunity to lead it along with 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 rohit so they're going to dis- dictate how how the team moves forward right so obviously um some some hearts are going to be hurt some are going to be happier than the others and that's that's part and parcel of life you know it's about how we deal with it. and i think ridhi is dealing with it exceptionally well you know i think uh, you have to give credit to him as to how he's dealing with it as, as well right um it's important to start perceiving things from other people's point of view also um to place yourself in other people's shoes as well and i think uh, sometimes as cricketers we can take the we can we can take the higher we can take a we can take a step be a larger person and say put myself in the selector shoes put myself in this leader shoes and say you you recognize this is how x y z feels about leading a side hmm. right you know that's their style hmm. everyone's got their own style and it's 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 an individual choice and identity right hmm. so that's his style and that's what he feels now if that makes me the receiving end of something i can't do anything like for me today i cannot hold imagine me holding a grudge against gary kirsten because as soon as he came out of the indian team yeah like how unfair to gary kirsten Hmm. incredible human being nice person great coach you know well respected everywhere around, around the world today i feel like man i wish i worked with him because i would have probably learned so much from from a man like him uh, i felt like i missed out because i probably didn't have another skill that could contribute to my selection in the team hmm. you know or validate my selection in the team at that point in time but back then you must have felt no i didn't i okay. i felt like Uh, maybe uh, no i i didn't feel anything because i was going through so much off the field oh, i didn't have the space and the capacity to actually think of any of that hmm. do you need somebody like there are two schools of thought do you need somebody as a team psychologist who looks at red flags or do you i think you need someone available in the team hmm. i think in a team you need someone available but i think each individual player should have somebody that they fall back on uh, it could be someone that they can be brutally honest with i feel there should be two people and, and there should be one should be a coach that they can discuss the game with and yeah. two should be a, a mental coach who can deal with the mental side of things hmm. right and uh, or a counselor who can deal with the mental side of things and and that coach who can you can discuss cricket with could be you could be sure about your technique but you just want someone to vent to about your cricket you need someone who understands you and your game completely so even if you're discussing something they understand what you're saying right so if you want to vent your frustrations about something your game your about your teammate about some, your captain or some, someone that listen to you so that you vent all of that out someone to discuss the game so where you can um where you can discuss the intricacies or your game plans and say okay this is what i did right this is what i didn't do wrong or this is what i did wrong and this is what 
went right for me. I think today in cricket you need that because it's as much an individual sport as much as it is a team sport. It's it's like tennis within a team sport. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? Does, does that make sense at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in tennis, you're not only playing against the opponent, you're also playing against yourself. Right. Right? And cricket, especially as a batter, even as a bowler, uh, or as a wicketkeeper for that matter, you're fighting internal battles. So you miss an opportunity or you, you're, you're not in good form. You're, you're, you're constantly dealing with your own emotions between balls. You're like, I'm not good enough. I'm good enough. I have to make, I have to play, like, I have to be in the present. Oh my, I have to come back here. Hmm. Focus on the ball. Hmm. Be clear at the top of your mark. What am I going to execute? Okay, I'm going to execute that. Hmm. Without iota of a doubt, that's what I'm going to execute. Hmm. execute. Oh, I missed a catch. It's okay. I'm going to stay in the present. I'm going to watch the ball and wait for the ball to come to me again to take another catch. Hmm. To bring yourself to that present, right, is quite hard. Hmm. And you need, you need to be able to have that people to fall back on. Hmm. And I think... Especially in Indian cricket today, you need because the competition is so high. Hmm. It's too high. Like for me, I feel for the youngsters, like guys like Sanju Samson, uh, Deepak Hooda, Rahul Tripathi, um, Ruturaj Gaikwad, uh, Abhimanyu Ishwaran, Priyank Panchal. Right. They've been in the wings for Karun how long? Nair. Karun Nair. Uh, they've been in the wings for how long? Hmm. Imagine what they must be going through. And I truly hope they have people to fall back on. It's my genuine wish for desire for these cricketers that they have somebody to fall back on because it's like even Aksar Patel made his debut in 2014 hmm. but Aksar is a like when you look, meet him you know that he's in good place he's a very happy-go-lucky guy like it's it's great if you're if you're like that if you had a great upbringing very supportive family in that sense right the benefits of, of a like you understand like when you come from a family like mine where they want to do their best but they've been so lost in their own thing that they weren't able to support as well as they could have you suddenly realize the importance of having a supportive family. Hmm. Like, you know, uh, the impact that a supportive family can have on, on a really talented cricketer hmm. and may, how easy they can make their lives, you hmm. know. So, you want these kids to have support. You des- I desire these kids to have someone to fall back on. I always tell, any cricketer who tells me, I tell them, have two people. Have someone that you can speak to, who can tell you the truth about your own game. Yeah. Without you feeling bad. Hmm. Like, even if you feel bad, it does not matter. It does not affect your relationship with them. They hmm. can call you on your bullcrap day in and day out hmm. and you won't it won't affect you'll know that they're speaking in your best interest hmm. you have to have one person like that the other person where you can vent about anything that you're going through in your life hmm. that's different from a team psychologist and yeah. team psychologist i think is a is a is an ad hoc thing where you know you're going through something and you you don't have resources and you want right. to just vent out at that point in time you reach out to that person hmm. it's an sos yeah. Because you, it's very difficult to kind of develop that relationship unless you're a consistent member of that team mm. and you've developed a, a, a rapport and a connection with that individual. Because you have to understand the, the relationship between a counselor and a and a patient is that of of, a chem, of chemistry. Like mm. that has to, there has to be that sync. If that sync is not there, you cannot share. And that's why... And you also know that, you know, if you're sharing with that person, you know that my competitor has shared with him, <laughs> you feel insecurity... No, yeah, that that could be a thing as well. Uh, but I think uh, if a if a psychologist is there, then you know if someone's there for mental health, then you know that person's equipped enough to separate the two, right? Mm. There are no favorites in that sense. And I think a psych a good psych a good psychologist or a good counselor is there to, like I said, get you out of your own way to help you. He has no uh, 
he has no added interest in there's right. nothing that he is achieving out of this right he's right. there to help it's a service that he's providing mm-hmm. you know and it takes a toll on counselors as well counselors oh go to can't counselors, imagine you know <laughs> counselors actually go to counselors because yeah. they have to release all the baggage right because they are they are receiving the negativity from people they have to find a way to release it so for me even when i like even for lay people when they go to counselors my advice would be go to a counselor for a, for at least 3 or 4 sessions before you recognize if they if they fit your bill or not you don't find chemistry in one session sometimes that chemistry builds over a period of sessions so stick for a month if it doesn't work move on to the next one but don't compromise on your mental health hmm. uh you were lucky that the first counselor you went to struck uh, because i was extremely vulnerable i was able to uh, open up to to an extent uh where i wouldn't have been able, able to open up before and mm-hmm. i think as a kid i was always i always wanted love and affection uh from my parents and they were too busy in their own, they were too caught up in their own marriage to to recognize that and for me uh i had like i was paying someone to be able to do that when i was like uh, i was paying for the services of her just being available to listen to me right and and i i think as a kid that's that's genuinely just what i wanted and didn't didn't get that uh, a lot of people just don't find you know a good mental health practitioner who who judge them who are not open to you know believing what they're saying and they just end up not going there so i'm glad you you found that person yeah thank you thank yeah. you so much i'm extremely grateful for her she's I've been to a couple of mental health uh, like counselors and uh, in my experience I've in fact I've been to a lot of sports psychologists and in in all of my experiences it's been great uh, genuinely good I've not had one where I've felt like no this doesn't work for me hmm. uh I've spoken to Rudy Webster uh, he was incredible and I was young when I met him I was 20 when I met him and Rudy Webster was incredible and I was fortunate enough to read one of his books so I really liked him even before I met him when i met him he was he was an incredible personality so i enjoyed working with him the different uh, paddy upton was nice i i enjoyed working with him because i feel like my approach, my my whole world view of them or perception of them was of someone who would try to help me hmm. um you know i never felt like uh, a lot of perceptions like i don't need the help like i don't need your help so when you when you're like when when that's the perception when like oh you can't help me when that's the perception you're going in with the energy that you probably won't get the help hmm. right you're going in uh, on the back foot so it's not it's not necessarily going to you if you go in with the belief that okay this is going to work for me this is this this is going to possibly be a solution for me the chances of finding a solution are a lot more hmm. a lot of cricketers who might be listening to this will will think you are just weak hmm. and that is a perception that we need to um alleviate to yeah to get rid of and uh, that that is a perception and to to tell them that hey even the greatest richard hadley who was not he was a, he was a great player but he struggled with it and he and so to to just know that you can be a great cricketer with this and taking help is something that's very important and uh, that's where that's where the bcci the like just just to the to know that it's okay is like the most important thing here who all can help i mean you you know this 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 going to be there have to be systems from the grassroots so like how how does what would you tell the bcci to do to to a if you are this 
you can still be a great cricketer and be to help people to like identify red flags at from the from junior well uh, if 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 i had the 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 avenue and the opportunity or the uh, or the podium to say anything to to the bcci i would ask them to set up a system in place and invest in a system that would and acknowledge and know that it, it's going to take 5 7 years for it to see results and see start seeing some fruition there right um but to invest in that system because i feel like every player is valuable uh, every child is 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 valuable is important and everyone who's playing cricket today is is someone's child you know is someone's son or daughter and they also need the help uh, today i don't know when uh, i think it was uh, i don't know veda who lost her parents during yes the, during covid like i don't know like where, where she was able to find help you know mm-hmm. and i hope she was able to find help um because if there were systems in place she could have fallen back on those systems mm-hmm. right because she's an india player and uh, she lost her parents in the pandemic and who did she have to fall back on and for me murli vijay for that matter like the way he was taken removed from the team is so unceremonious and unforgiving you can't do that to a cricketer what happens to his mental health isn't uh, who's isn't he, does he have somebody to fall back on and and i think what's one of the it's 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 one of the things that we have to, and you have to have that compassion to to say you know okay what do we do about this we need to do something about mm-hmm. this and i think there is a lack of compassion uh, i think it's human nature where there's volume there is very little value mm-hmm. uh, but i think uh, there needs to be a step up and and change in that aspect and start saying that yeah we val- like we have so many cricketers but we value them to actually take a step in that direction and i truly hope that there is a step in that direction and if if i could do anything to help i would um, among high profile names i would like to add raidu to it uh, oh man ambati raidu um, like if suresh raina for that matter what he would have gone through uh, when he didn't like mr ipl right is what yeah. everyone saying when he retired but what did like how many people reached out to him and you know said bro isn't and can we help you deal with this you know it this has happened to you people don't understand how traumatic that can be for someone who's achieved so much in a sport mm. people don't understand uh, the hate and the, the impact the hate and the vitriol can have on on uh, on on an individual mm. and the hate and the vitriol is coming on on social platforms and but what happens to that individual who's a high profile individual who where does he like what are the systems in place within the system mm. for him to deal with it there there, there aren't systems and you hope that uh you know this the systems that can be put in place that people can actually you know uh, i hope franchises come up with systems in place mm. Mm. right mm. Uh, for for their players next players mm. for instance say someone like suresh you know, for example or someone like um, me for that matter say tomorrow i'm not picked in an auction mm. uh, to say to be able to fall back on um you know say 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 csk had a, a mental health practitioner there mm. and to just fall back on them to deal with that for that period of time mm. you know to have someone just available to help cricketers out yeah i i just compa- i always compare raidu's case with jimmy nisham in new zealand like he went through a phase where he would wake up wanting for it to rain so that he doesn't have to play and he he told his player association that he wants to quit but his player association was there they told him look we don't want you to quit we we know what we appreciate what you're going through you you play out this contract there's a couple of matches take your time off and then come back to us and tell us if you feel the same way and how we can help you whereas raidu he he didn't go to the world cup and 
maybe maybe the selectors had their reasons to not and they were perfectly valid cricketing reasons to not pick him but like after two three injuries happened in the squad he still didn't get picked and in a half he announced his retirement and there was nobody asking him why you've loved this game for your life and why are you quitting it yeah and i can't imagine what he also went through and it's something that you know unfortunately jokes about today but you can can you imagine the the stigma attached to it and, and the pain that's attached to it and you hope that you know he's spoken about it and dealt with it my my hope is the same for someone like monk uh, that he that, that i hope he's dealt with it you know mm. uh, i don't know how how, how we like check in on him from time to time but you hope he's fine right you hope all of these people are fine and that's and that's all you can do but but it's it's easier to do it in a country like new zealand uh, in a country like australia right, right, in a country like england it's e- the volume of cricketers are a lot lesser mm. you have uh, less than 100 cricketers in the entire country who will represent your like who are potential representatives mm. uh, representatives for your for your for your national team so that's not the case you <laughs> but we need a player association we we, need, we definitely need a, a player association that works uh are who are in touch with uh, the current bunch of players and who could possibly play for the mm. country the future players of the country the prodigies of the country um you need players you need you need a system working for the players um to the to the to the listeners i i can assure you it's not all doom and gloom cricket is still a great sport of course it's great fun we might be you might think we are being oversensitive but like like the legal system says you know which one innocent person should not be punished wrongly even if like 99 guilty people get away i feel that being over sensitive is better than being under sensitive but i i just want to end with robin telling you what great fun cricket still is oh yeah it's uh, it's i think the greatest thing in the world i think for me it's the greatest thing in the world i think the joys that i've experienced through the game the 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 the, the highs and lows that have taught me so much the lows have taught me more than the highs honestly the the camaraderie the the journeys that you end up uh, living together the the relationships you forge along the way that that last a lifetime the friendships that you make uh, over a period of time and i think it's a gift that keeps giving hmm. uh, honestly and uh, this is this what we've spoken about today is 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 one side of of sport but there's a whole other side of sport that that is so enriching so fulfilling um that you will very seldom find in other in other avenues of life and i think that's the most beautiful thing about sport you you experience highs and lows on a day to day basis um and uh, those those are the the best experiences in life and they teach you more about life than than anything else Th- okay. thanks a lot robin for speaking so honestly and opening up and it takes a lot of courage to you know bearing yourself like this and uh, just just like robin said it's like ticking all the boring boxes just consider this hygiene as cons- you know ticking those boring boxes so that you can enjoy the thrill of you know making an inanimate object like a ball do things after okay. it pitches or in the air or just hitting the ball long way and you the joy of hitting a six knowing that somebody like knowing that before anybody else knows it's going for a six it's a great thrill just to be able to enjoy this you need to you know tick these boxes have this hygiene and position thanks a lot robbie for talking to Thank us you so much. it's been an absolute pleasure